Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Hey, this is former NFL offensive lineman Ross Tucker with Sirius XM NFL Radio and, of course, a bunch of different podcasts like the Ross Tucker Football Podcast and the Fantasy Feast Podcast for you folks. And you are listening to the NFL Talking Heads Fantasy Podcast. Welcome to the NFL Talking Heads Fantasy Football Podcast Show. Here are your hosts, Jeff Carrier and Seth Lowell. What? That was Ross Tucker leading us in, Seth. It is great to be joined by such a special guest on this episode. You are listening to another show of the NFL Talking Heads. I am Jeff Carrier, your host as usual. Joined along by my side is Seth Lull, and we have a lot in store for you this episode. It's been a couple extra days, Seth, and we've been able to deliver an episode, and we have so much that we want to cover. Yeah, see, you definitely raised the bar on your lead-in, a little more enthusiasm. Um, just c- coming off of, you know, when I did the, the lead-in last episode, definitely, I definitely raised the bar, um, put a little pressure on you, so I see that you're definitely making some adjustments to try and try and match me. Well, I'm not someone that's trying to match you. I am just trying to follow up Ross Tucker. Um, you know, one hell of an interview that we have lined up this episode that I think everyone is going to enjoy. We talked a little bit about football. We talked a little bit about offensive line. Of course, him being a former NFL player, former New England Patriot. He's got a great story about Tom Brady. You do not want to miss it. Um, but first, Seth... Let's jump into some listener questions. Uh, We have received a ton of them over this weekend. Remember, you can submit them at NFLTalkingHeads.com. Just put it in the URL. I think the website technically still has to be indexed by Google. So if you're just trying to search it, you're just going to get all our podcast listings. And everyone should have a response by the time they listen to this episode. So if, if for some reason you haven't heard back from us, Go ahead and just submit another one. Uh, we apologize if we have. I think we've covered every single person, Seth. Uh, we usually do them in, in different sit- sittings. Uh, but there was a, quite a few that came in. So uh, if we did happen to miss one, we apologize. And let's get to two listener questions that we want to get to. It's, it's really hard to choose this go-round. And the first one we have is actually from Henrik Whiting. And I know I'm screwing that up, Seth. I, I mean, but... We got we got one from Sweden, um, from across the pond. So we figured we'd have to read this. Um, and we in fact actually had another listener from South Korea, Seth Will Fuller, I think his name was, and uh, Will Emery. Sorry, Will Emery. I'm screwing up names here. I'm, well, I'm, it's, I'm, uh, I mean, you, you having enough you have enough trouble usually with the English language, much less you know names from you know people from other other countries. I mean, who would have thought fantasy football out in South Korea? I think I think um, our potential listener base is a lot lar- larger than I thought, Seth. Yeah, I guess guess it definitely guess so. I mean, Sweden, I you know I could see that maybe Europe, but South South uh, Korea definitely surprising. But it's hey, it's good to hear. It shows that we got listeners all over the world. Yep. Okay, and that was Will Amory. So let's let's get back to the listener question here from Henrik out in Sweden. 
And he says, hi, love your podcast. I have a problem in my mock draft. I'm in a 14-team league snake draft, standard scoring, one QB, two wide receiver, two running back, one tight end. I have the number 10 in the draft, pick number 10 in the draft. In all mock drafts I do, I come up short on getting good running backs. I usually start picking wide receivers one and two. In rounds three and four, I'm looking for running backs, and it seems like I have problem getting any good ones. I usually go by your rankings, but it seems like every running back in your top 30 is gone by rounds three and four. So first part is, do we have any suggestions in terms of picking running backs in rounds three or four? Or the second part is, is, is should he not be looking at wide receivers in round one and two? And lastly, he asks, do you have a master plan for a draft place of 10 in a 14-team league? And for for that answer, we would say definitely look at our fantasy draft roadmap. It's entirely customized to your league's roster structure, league settings, um, and you get a full one-on-one with me and Seth. So that's what you get. That's the full master plan there. Um, but Seth, in terms of his first two questions, any running backs in three and four rounds, in the rounds three or four in a 14-team league that you're interested in, or does he need to alter his strategy in the first two rounds and maybe go RB1, say, in the second round? Yeah, I, I like going RB1 in the second, or, or maybe the first. I mean, a couple running backs. I know we disagree on Adrian Peterson, who I'm getting higher and higher on as the weeks weeks go on, but we both love Jamal Charles. It's a great great running back that you can most likely get in the second round. Because um, I think when you get into the third round, and you know we you know we talk about the usual suspects all the time: the Lashawn McCoy's, Eddie Lacy, Doug Martin, Thomas Rawls, C.J. Anderson. I mean, would you really want any of those running backs as your RB one? I just you know I, that's just not exciting to me. Um, I feel like none of them have that much upside. So I would really hate to use a third round pick on one of those running backs when there's still going to be really really good receivers available at that point that are just outside like that top-tier receiver. I mean, you're going to have the DT, Jarvis Landry, Randall Cobb, um, T.Y. Hilton. You know, I I like those receivers much more than those running backs. So if I was him, I would go, you know, someone like a Jamal Charles in the second, maybe a Peterson in the second if he ends up falling outside the top, you know, 12. Um, And I think both of those are very realistic um, scenarios, right? I think Peterson and Charles are two running backs that you can get definitely outside the top 10 potentially depending on what league you're in with 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 peterson but it seems like everyone we talk to charles is falling but i will say expect charles to get a little bit of a bump now that he's off the the pup list off of the pup list and really we if you've been drafting your you know your league has been drafting already or is about to come up then you should have already had jamal charles anticipating that he's going to be coming off the pup list. This is going to confirm it for some other people, and he's going to get bumped up a little bit. But, you know, you should if you've already been listening to the NFL Talking Heads, you've been ahead of the game, and you already like Charles in the second round. I'm obviously with you, Seth, on this one. Um, I think the idea is to grab one of these running backs in the second um, and then go ahead and go back into the wide receiver categories um, for rounds three and four because you don't want to start or end up with one of those running backs that you mentioned, like a C.J. Anderson, as your RB1, if you can help it. I know a lot of people are going into it. They know he's the the bell cow, but there's still so many wide receivers in that range. I'd, I'd rather have Jamal Charles as my RB1 and then take someone else's wide receiver in that range. Yeah, and I don't think the you know Jamal Charles coming off the pup list is really going to elevate his stock too much. I don't think you're going to see that big of a difference. He's still a second-round player in just about every single league. 
and you know the, the fact remains if you can get Jamal Charles in the second round that's that's amazing right you, you really can't be upset about that uh, that outcome you know there's just no there's no spot available for him in the top 10 I mean he's not going ahead of uh, David Johnson or DeAndre Hopkins or Gurley or Beckham or Julio or Antonio Brown um, or AJ Green so the, you know there's just no he's not going to find his way into the top 10 in any league so maybe in a 12 team league he's going to go in around the 11 12 range but still really good value for Jamal Charles even even as he comes off the pup list um, I, I just don't think that's going to affect um, where he goes and drafts too much I don't think he's going to get that big of a bump yeah, let's move on to the next question we have here. This is uh, from Nate Moore. Um, he is a Texan in Wisconsin. So I'm guessing a Texan as in a, uh, a Texas person from Texas. I don't know if he's a Dallas fan or a Houston fan or a Houston Texan. Uh, but he says he's Can you con- talk today? No. I mean, is, is, is anything new? No, it's definitely not new. <laughs> I, I just got to call you out, though. Just, it's just, you know, got to... Anyways, keep keep going. He says he's a commissioner of a 10-team, two-quarterback, half-point PPR league that has been going for 10 years now. It is two-quarterback, two-running-back, three-wide receivers, one tight end. QBs typically fly off the shelves around rounds one and two. I'm picking in the sixth spot, and I'm curious who do you guys aim for. And he says, and even in rounds one through six as a best-case scenario. And um, he ends with Team Haha, Seth. So after our last uh, our last podcast, when I was maybe making a little bit too much of the LOLs being thrown around and commenting that you're an LOL guy, we've already got one for Team Haha now in our listener emails. Yeah, I, I feel like I feel like most guys are are Haha guys. I'm I'm an LOL guy. You know, I, I don't know I don't know what to say. I, I use Haha as well. I mean, I I use them both. But I just LOL is just so much easier. I feel like you. I don't know. It's just it's overused. But last thing we want to do is get down and you know get into this discussion again about LOLs and just you know. Well, let's, um, you probably use the LOL just because it's one letter short, and it's just the kind of guy you are. You're just too lazy to put in that extra letter, right? Well, it's like a it's like a kind of like a little giggle, like a like <laughs> like you know like, like kind of funny. I feel like like ha ha. You can only really use ha ha when someone says something really funny and you're actually laughing out loud. But no, no. LOL. See, you see, I when I'm really laughing out loud, I bust out the bahaha and I put the B in the front of it. Yeah, I, I hate when people do that. Use the B ahead of the ha 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 because when I say ha ha, I'm never you know bahaha. Like it just doesn't make you know. I, I hate that. It irritates me. Um, but sometimes if something's really funny, I'll either do ha ha or I'll do capital LOL. Game changer. <laughs> We are just completely off on this. <laughs> yeah, you know that's the great. That's the beauty of, of LOLs and Haas is everybody has their own. Oh man, it's just, let, let's just get on with this. this yeah, is, this yeah. isn't going anywhere. You have yours, I have mine. We'll see where the rest of yeah. the listeners stand. Um, so one of the things I would say about a two quarterback league is that it's never really too early, I guess, to draft a quarterback. Um, or start picking quarterbacks, but I still want to stay true to my overall board um, in my tier system I have. So, for example, if I'm in a two-quarterback league, Seth, and I know we haven't really kind of talked about our two-quarterback tiers per se, but I-, I would have to think my the top three, depending on the quarterback scoring, which is a huge one, quarterback scoring very vastly in all different leagues, but I, the top three wide receivers would still be the top three off my board. 
Julio and ODB and Antonio Brown. And then the next tier would involve like the AJ Greens and the Todd Gurley's. And then I would also start mixing in the Aaron Rodgers and Cam Newtons of the world. I guess what I'm getting at is if people start over-selecting the Drew Brees, over-selecting Ben Roethlisberger, I'm still not going to go ahead and reach just because they're flying off, you know, they're flying off the shelves, quote-unquote. Yeah, I think with two quarterback leagues, the thing you've got to be cognizant of and, and aware of is <clears throat> don't put yourself in a position where, you know, it's fine to still wait on quarterback because the quarterback is a really deep position, as some of our, our guests that we've had on have attested to. It's a really deep position. So you can you can find quarterbacks late in the draft, even in two quarterback leagues, but you don't want to end up with like RG three as your your first quarterback, right? Or you don't even ideally want to have to start and depend on RG three or someone like that. So it's fine if like Matt Stafford, um, Ryan Fitzpatrick are both your are two your two quarterbacks. That's okay. But you just want to be aware of it and you don't want to let it slip away. And in a one quarterback league, you you can go the whole until you know the last round and draft a quarterback because you know at, at the end of the draft there's still going to be the Alex Smiths of the world available on free agents. But I thought you think you made a really good point about scoring. If it's four points for a passing touchdown, that devalues the quarterback position um, tremendously, right? Um, if it's if it's six points per for touchdown, that that helps a lot. So I think one quarterback that you can look at in the first round is. Cam Newton, I, I would probably have him as my number one quarterback um, this year. Um, Aaron Rodgers is somebody else that you can look at. But I, I'm, I'm with you. I think Julio Jones and Antonio Brown, I think the top three really doesn't change, even in two quarterback leagues. I, would, I, I wouldn't really have that big a problem with somebody taking Cam Newton over Odell, but I would personally keep that top three. And then the next tier, I think Todd Gurley is somebody you can pencil in the number four spot. And feel pretty comfortable with after that I think you know it's fair game and it's you know all bets are off you know Cam Newton Aaron Rodgers Russell Wilson DeAndre Hopkins AJ Green I think it's a mixed bag when you get to that point yeah I mean I think the four touchdown whatever your scoring is it's gonna matter but I think what it does is it starts separates certain quarterbacks in the actually quarterbacks themselves. What I mean by that is I think whatever the scoring is for quarterbacks, it's relative. It, it affects only the quarterbacks, obviously. But there's a lot of times where I see people overvalue, say, uh, let me give you an example. One of the We're going to talk about risers and fallers. And uh, 25 points per point or 25 yards per point for a quarterback is still significant for the 20 yards uh, for a single point. Now, people might say, well, that's only five yards difference, and over 100 yards, that's only one single point. But if you multiply that for over an entire season, like 4,700 yards, it becomes a big difference. So that's where certain people within the quarterbacks um, start elevating themselves over others. Here's another really good example of that. The negative one for a sack. Seth, you and I play in a couple of leagues. We have negative one for sacks. People will look at the passing yards, the look at the touchdowns and say, well, this person is about the same. And they'll forget that Ryan Tannehill gets sacked 50 times a year or Blake Bortles gets sacked 50 times a year. And that's that's a great impact on their overall score and on by the end of the season. Yeah, and we know how I feel about that. I'm not a huge fan of, you know, doing negative one for sacks. I mean, I know you like it. I'm, I'm just not I'm just not a big fan of it. 
I think is it, I, it's I think a lot of times it comes down to the offensive line. I don't know why we always have to penalize quarterbacks in fantasy if their offensive line is subpar. I know a lot of times, obviously, it's the quarterback's fault, right? When they get sacked, um, they have to get rid of the ball. They have to get rid of it quicker. Um, they take some responsibility, but I'm not a huge fan of doing negative one for sack in a league. I, I, I like the idea of doing instead of like negative two for an interception, do negative three because that's on the quarterback, but I don't like doing negative one for sacks. Yeah. And I don't even want to go down this rabbit hole of always blaming the offensive line. You love to do that. I mean, Jake Cutler, you were, you know, supporting him for, I don't know how many years until you have finally admitted he's not that great of a quarterback you know, or just like everyone that was making excuses for David Carr when he came out. Like, listen, he, Peyton Manning's had many different offensive lines, poor offensive lines, and he doesn't get sacked the same way that a Jay Cutler does. And so I put a lot of responsibility on the offensive line when it comes down to sacks. Not not a ton, but someone like Russell Wilson will obviously inherit his own fair share of sacks due to his own, you know, himself, but. I think a lot of it has to go more on the offensive line than you give it credit for. Well, you're also you bring up Peyton Manning as your as your example. He's a top five quarterback in the history of the NFL. So of course it doesn't matter who his offensive line is or has been over the years. He's gonna his sack numbers are gonna be low because he's the one of the best to ever play. But what about the quarterbacks that are you know above average now? Um, they're not elite like Peyton Manning necessarily, but their numbers are going to take a hit because you're getting negative ones for sacks. I don't know. I, I just don't like it. We'll, we'll have to we'll have to agree to disagree on this one. Sure. Um, okay, let's move on to the segment that we want to talk about in this episode, which is risers and fallers. We want to talk a little bit about some of the players that we're liking in the draft a little bit more as we get closer to draft season and Seth this might be a good time to to let everyone know that we got our big hometown draft this weekend I'm going to be flying up to Boston uh, I'm going to be spending a night in Boston so I think we'll be heading out on Friday night so I don't know if uh, any of the listeners will be around but um, you know we love engagement we love hearing from you so you know reach out to us on the website and let us know if you're going to be in Boston on on Friday night and um come talk fantasy with us you know have a beer talk some fantasy but we got our draft this uh this weekend seth it's a little bit earlier than normal but when you're doing a live offline draft and someone's got to fly such as myself you know you you gotta just work with everyone's schedule it's a little bit earlier than we want but we have all the information we really need i think besides besides injury of course yeah i mean it's it's Oof, getting the um, the adrenaline adrenaline uh, going already. Can't wait for for Saturday. It's like the the one day of the week. It's like it's like basically like Christmas. It's got to be. I don't know. Would you say that? What you looking forward to more, Christmas Day or our big hometown league fantasy draft? I, I don't even think it's close. It's not close. It's not even remotely close. I mean, I'm buying a flight um, for no other purpose than to come up and hang out with a bunch of guys and do a auction draft when we have our own auctioneer and he has his own gavel. I mean, we do a trophy ceremony. This is how fantasy leagues should be run. Um, and, yeah, obviously super excited about it. Yeah, and, and you also you know, complain for a couple months about buying the ticket to come up. You, you wanted us to all pitch in for your plane ticket. 
So I mean, <laughs> I did not. A- I did not ask you guys to, to pitch in. I was just saying that I might not come up just for that sole reason. For once, I mean, it, it, it is. It is like a privilege that you're you're gracing us with your presence. So I mean, I think everybody would be willing to pitch in for your plane ticket because uh, you know I would like you know how could we how could we ever do this draft without you up here? I mean. Hey, so. I mean, we we got a friend that that calls me JC for Jesus Christ, and you know I'm sure he'd be happy to pitch in, but you know maybe next year, um, maybe later in the season I could throw a wall bet with you, and well it wouldn't help with uh, everyone else in the league, but maybe this maybe next year you'll have to be down here anyways. Cause- Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Because you might lose your bet to Scotty on the wall bet with Le'Veon Bell and D'Angelo Williams, so you might have to fly down here regardless. I, yeah, I, re- I really hope on Friday night you you can just let us buy you a few drinks because I don't know it would just it would just really be a privilege to to be able to buy you a few drinks. I mean, it's just you know I, I think you deserve it. Well, I I mean I deserve something for coming all the way up there, wouldn't you say? Absolutely, yeah. I know I I, I totally agree. Are we definitely doing Boston, or are we still waiting? Are we still doing the Foxwoods Boston? Have we decided yet? I don't know if we have any listeners in the Foxwoods area, but. Yeah, we might. We might. Well, reach out to us, and maybe that will help us decide. We're bouncing between the two. I think it's leaning towards Boston. Um, but let's get to our risers and fallers. Um, enough of our hometown league extravaganza. But I think it's going to, when we do finish it, Seth, I think next week. So we might not have an episode on Saturday. We may, we may not. I'm not too sure. Um, I think we'll have some really good insight, right? We're going to get some, next two weekends – not this weekend. The following two weekends are really good draft weeks that most people are going to have. So we're going to have some really good experience I think we can bring back to the listeners. So at least that's a plus. Yeah, and it would be really great if on our website we had a like a chat function. So people are in the drafts and they had a, a quick question they want us to they want to get an answer to in real time. They could just chat chat to us, you know, and we could just chat right back. That'd be pretty cool. Just, I'm just throwing out ideas. I'm always the wheels are always turning, Jeff. Okay. Well, you know, why don't you execute on that? Okay. Well, we'll something I'll look into. Okay. Um, Seth, the first person I want to talk about our risers and fallers is a quarterback. Surprisingly enough, we've been saying wait, wait on quarterback, but I think I have the number one quarterback I'm targeting, and I want everyone who's listening to target this quarterback because I think he's a potential top three quarterback. He's an easy top five quarterback, but he's going in the seventh round. Do you know who I'm talking about, Seth? Um, give me a sec. Give me a second. Potential one. All right, I'm gonna go Kirk Cousins. No, he's going in the seventh. 
Whoa, 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 whoa. You're talking about one quarterback league, two quarterback league. Let's get I like this. I like him either way. He's going the seventh, I think, in a one quarterback league. Seventh round in a one quarterback league. Can you give me like five seconds? Do I have a chance to think about this? Um Russell Wilson. No, he's going Russell Wilson is going, I think, in the fifth or so. So he's going behind Russell Wilson. He's going who is he going in front of here? All right, well, oh, he's going in the same round as Blake Bortles. I mean, oh, people, I know who you're talking. I know who you're talking about, Carson Palmer. Carson Palmer yeah. threw for 4,700 yards and 35 touchdowns. One of the best offenses in the league. He's going in the same round as Carson Palmer. I mean, are people serious? He is one quarterback. I, I, you're not even paying up for him. You get him in the seventh round. You get your running back in the second round. You get your Maybe you get your RB2-ish in the sixth round with, like, a Jonathan Stewart. You get Carson Palmer in the seventh. You get Charles Sims in in the eighth if you get lucky. And now you've got wide receivers in every other round. I, I just solved that. That's how everyone should be approaching their draft. Yeah, I like Carson Palmer. Um, but he's also getting older and... With the emergence of Dave Johnson, you know, I really wonder if they're going to be running the ball a little bit more this year. Um, Fitzgerald's older as well. Um, you know, I just wonder if their offense is going to be as explosive as it was last year. I, I like Carson Palmer. Don't get me wrong. I just I, I like Drew Brees more. I like Cam Newton more. There's a lot of quarterbacks that I like more. Uh, seven seven round, and I know a lot of this takes into account value. And seventh round is pretty low for someone like Carson Palmer. So I'm with you. I like him. I mean, I, I really like him and. In terms of them wanting to run more, can we be serious? This is Bruce Arians we're talking about. We can be serious. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's my first person set. Who's your first person? I like right, – and we talked about this earlier today, and you know we're going to probably uh, probably argue about this guy. But Adrian Peterson, and this is somebody that you know, I, I think you're – I think you're underestimating him. I think you're disrespecting him. I think you're you're taking him, him. You're, you're taking really? him for granted. It's it's risen to levels of disrespect. You and Adrian Peterson. He's played in the NFL nine years. Last year, he had his third highest carries total. So he carried the ball in nine year career, the third most that he's carried it in his entire career. So he's still getting a ton of carries. He averaged four point five yards a carry, which is right about his career average. Um, he had eleven touchdowns. So, and it's not like you think he's going to get less than 10 touchdowns this year. That offense can't really get any worse. You know, they added Laquan Treadwell. Charles Johnson, who, by the way, is one of my sleeper picks this year for being a lot better than he was last year. Right? That's as far as I'm going to go with Charles Johnson. But I think the offense is going to get better. And because of that, Adrian Peterson is going to be in line for more touchdowns. I'm, I'm going to make a – do you want to is – is it too early to do a wall bet in this podcast? No, Can we do one? Absolutely not. Okay. Let me hear All right. it. All right. I want to pu- I want to do a wall bet. I'm going to throw this on the wall. Adrian Peterson, 13 touchdowns this year. 13 touchdowns. He had 11 last year, 10 the year before. Just, he just, hasn't just had more rushing? than 13 since 2009. Just rushing? Yes, just rushing. All right. I'll take you up on that. So 13 is your you win. Yep, I win. You notice how I'm always the one um, offering up these wall bets, like taking a, a bold stance. 
you don't you don't have the the guts to come up with one on your own. Oh. You ever notice that? I am more conservative. I am safer. However, I win more often. So that's the difference between me and you. Oh, it's exciting. Yeah, <laughs> winning is exciting. Well, so for all our listeners out there, Adrian Peterson hasn't had more than thirteen rushing touchdowns since two thousand nine when he had eighteen. But he's had 10 or more every single season besides 2014 when he got injured week one. So 13 this year. Um, I'm just feeling it. I think that offense is going to be better. I know he's 31, but I, he has at least one more dynamic year left in him. He's going to have over 300 carries. The fact that he doesn't catch the ball that much really doesn't worry me too much. I know the last couple of years they've talked about Norv Turner finding ways to get him the ball in the passing game. Um, he had 30 catches last year. That's, you know, that's more, that's above his career average. He had 29 in 2013, 18, 2011. Um, you know, so that's a little bit higher than usual. So if they can still make some more progress in that area and maybe he can get between 30 and 40 catches, 13 touchdowns, like I'm predicting. And I think he's a lock for at least 1200 rushing yards. So the reason that I really like Adrian Peterson, it's not a new name. Everybody knows about him. But he's getting a little bit overlooked with some of these other running backs like David Johnson and Todd Gurley. Adrian Peterson somebody that in a, even in a 10-team league, you're going to be able to get with the, the ninth or 10th pick or on the way back down in the second round. So I think it's really good value. Um, he's consistent. You know what you're getting from him. Um, Are so, you done talking about Adrian Peterson by now? I can't, you know, I have to overcompensate for, how, for, for, the, for the disrespect that you're throwing his direction, how little you're talking about him. I have to talk for him twice as much to compensate for you. Okay, well, you've, you've done that. Can we move on? Go ahead. All right, so I want to talk about Eric Decker. And I know we've already talked about him, but I, I feel like as soon as Ryan Fitzpatrick signed, Brandon Marshall got the bump. I mean, he was going as high as pick 12. And we talked to Pat Mayo, said he would have taken him on the turn um, in our last podcast when we had to pick 12-13. So Brandon Marshall got the bump with Ryan Fitzpatrick, and I don't feel like uh, Eric Decker really has. He's still going in the fourth round in a 12-team league, so I still really like Decker. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be extremely happy to get someone who has played essentially 15 or 16 games his entire career. He's going to get at, probably at least 120-plus targets, and he might not get 12 touchdowns, but he should be a lock for at least nine. And in the fourth round... Your potential wide receiver two or three, um, you know, I just I really like that value, and and I think that people are still sleeping on him, probably because he's white and boring. Yep, I'm this Saturday, and this is my other bold prediction. Um, and maybe you can throw this on the wall too, but I'm going to Decker the Halls <laughs> on Saturday, and Eric Decker will be on my team, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go take it a step further. Eric Eric Decker is going to be. In, on every single one of my team, besides the league we drafted last last week, that doesn't count. Here, here, moving forward, Eric Decker will be on every single one of my teams for the reasons that you suggested. And you know, I think I've been a little, I've been on the bandwagon a little before you. Mm. You know, I think I, I picked you up on the bandwagon, no. and then you joined me. Trust so me, if I, there's someone that's like really boring and really dry and extremely well point producer, I mean, I'm on him. I'm on it. Yeah. Well. Yeah, we we that, we we agree on something, um, so I'm totally totally with you on on Eric Decker. And this is why, <sighs> this is another thing about Eric Decker, and I know we can talk all night about him, but you have a guy who's <laughs> you have a guy who <laughs> we can talk we can talk all night about him. 
We have a guy who Perfect. had 80 catches and double-digit touchdowns. So he he's a touchdown person in that range, right? So here's another person, Dante Moncrief. I don't really count him maybe as a, as a high touchdown person, whereas Decker is. What are your thoughts, though, on Dante Moncrief? I like him. I think he has upside. He increased to over 60 catches last year. Played all six. Uh, played all 16 games. I know Andrew Luck's coming back, but I feel like in that range, when you have Decker and you have Moncrief, if someone is taking Moncrief over Decker, you got to be clinically insane. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't mind having Eric. I mean, Dante Moncrief is like my third receiver in uh, like a Madden online franchise, but I don't want to have Dante Moncrief. Um, he's not going to be on any of my fantasy rosters this year. I mean, my fantasy teams. I just there's there's too many better options in that range. For receivers, it's just I, I can't justify taking Dante Moncrief. He, he's he's going to go higher, and like I think part of it is like he, I mean he had a really good season last year. No one's taking that away from him, but it's just a, it was a weird season in Indy last year with with Andrew Locke and that whole offense being down. Um, I, I think Dante Moncrief is going to regress a little bit. I don't think he's going to to continue this this upward trajectory that people think he's on. I think the guys you want to have on that team. Um, in that offense are Andrew Luck, Frank Gore, and T.Y. Hilton. And I think Philip Dorsett's a wild card, but I'm just staying away from Dante Moncrief. Uh, he's a nice player, but I think you can get – he's someone that it's similar to players you're going to be able to get off free agents during the year. I you know. I, I like him. I think he's better than a typical free agent. I think maybe he'll, he'll put up a lot of free agent weeks per se. But again, in the fourth round in a 12-team league, I just – I just think that's a little bit high when you have someone like Eric Decker and a little more well-established people going um, yeah. even well, behind him. Yeah, well, it, it's it's insane to take him in the fourth round. I mean, it let's is, just call it, it what it is. It's insane. It's absolutely insane. Um, like I would love to if I'm in a if I'm in a, a 12 team league, I want to be in a league with 11 other players that would take Dante Moncrief in the fourth round or would think it's a good idea to take him in the fourth round. Those are the type of players that I want to be in a league with because so, I would love to take their money. I mean, when you look at where Dante Moncrief is going, he's going ahead of Doug Baldwin, Michael Floyd, Larry Fitzgerald, Jordan Matthews, um, Alan Hearns, John Brown. I like all six of those receivers more than Moncrief. I mean, you might disagree with Jordan Matthews. Oh, I think it's, it's a toss-up there, but I would still rather have Jordan Matthews than Moncrief. Can we can we talk about Jordan Matthews for a second? I mean, I, we have I feel, choice. Do have choice? Just, well, just go. Just go. We haven't we haven't talked about him, so maybe it's good that we actually each share our points on him, but. Jordan Matthews is going in the seventh round. To me, that is also asinine. First of all, does anyone realize that Doug Peterson from the Annie Reed tree is coming over from Kansas City, the slowest offense in the entire league? You have Sam Bradford at the helm. The offense is run through the running back and the tight end. Just look at Kansas City. I mean, it takes an elite star like Jeremy Macklin, who we like a lot, to produce really good numbers. Jordan Matthews is not Jeremy Macklin. It's going to go through Zach Ertz. It's going to go through the running game, whichever multiple running backs they use. And they have Sam Bradford. Jordan Matthews might as well have a cinder block tied to his feet and jumping off a bridge is how far down the draft he's falling for me. Well, that's quite the picture you painted there. Um, I, I think it was, I think it was a, it, definitely a hot take to say that he's not Jordan, Jeremy Macklin. They're not, I, didn't, I didn't realize that they weren't the same exact person. Well, he's going but, in the seventh. I mean, he's going in the same round as yeah. 
I get it, but we're also talking about Dante Moncrief, and <clears throat> you know what? Like, far be it for me to defend Jordan Matthews, but you put you leave me no choice. I have to defend him. I don't love him, but this is a guy who he's been in the league two years. He has eight touchdowns each of his first two years in the league. That's pretty solid. He had just under a thousand yards receiving, over 120 targets. He had 85 receptions. He played all 16 games each out of the first two seasons. He's this is a player that you should love. He's boring. Like, he just flies completely under the radar. And if you can fly under the radar in a Chip Kelly offense, you are a boring player. And this is somebody who you know is – you can pencil him in for 70 to 80 catches minimum, over 100 targets. I think, you know, he went up from 872 receiving yards to 997 last year. I think he can continue going up a little bit to the 1,000-yard range. And he's had eight touchdowns each of the first two years. I mean, I think seven to ten touchdowns is realistic for him. So – why why don't you like him more than Dante Moncrief? I mean, you have to give me a better reason than it's Doug Peterson's slow offense. And I've heard you use that, that point like two or three times at least in the past month. Well, I understand offenses, first of all. So, I mean, how is that not at least um, one take on why I don't like Jordan Matthews? He also had to get 127 targets to get 997 yards. And one of, one of those catches was 78 yards that's his long so he caught 900 yards on 127 targets i just you know he's not going to get the volume he's not going to get the volume is my biggest biggest problem there i do i do think he's got some decent touchdowns six to eight range he's over six feet i like that he's six three um but in terms of moncrief i think they're semi-similar players I like Moncrief a little bit more, but Moncrief's going too high too. So, I mean, you can kind of put him in the same range where I don't like either. Now, Moncrief is with Andrew Luck in a much better offense. So, that also impacts it. I mean, all all of those factors impact it. But regardless, Moncrief's going too high. And Jordan Matthews, I just – I also don't think Jordan Matthews is, is all that talented. Oh, wow. I'm going to get Dante Moncrief's stats. They are all better than Matthews across the board. Shoot me in the face. Yeah, of course. I mean, <laughs> do you do any research before you come on come on the air? No, you know, but my, my, my opinion doesn't really change on it. I still like Jordan Matthews better. And, you know, and Philadelphia is going to have trouble running the ball this year. I think Ryan Matthews is going to break down like he always does. Um, Darren Sproles is not built to be the lead back. He's going to be a PPR, you know, val- valuable PPR running back in PPR leagues. But – He's, he's not someone that can carry the load. I think they're going to be forced to pass the ball. If Carson Wentz can get healthy and show something in his first year, I think Jordan Matthews has a little bit of upside. I just don't know what to think of Dante Moncrief because Matt Hasselbeck was the best quarterback for the Colts last year. Um, this year, when Angela comes back, I, I think it's going to be a, um, a T.Y. Hilton, um, Frank Gore show. But, I mean – yeah, I I guess either one of them wouldn't be ideal, and I don't think I'll probably have either one on my team. This year. I think you need to back each one up uh, two rounds, and I would put Jordan Matthews in the ten, and that's where I'd start looking at him. Um, I just I don't like the 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 quarterback there. Um, I don't know. Let's move on though. I mean, this is a lot of time spent on Jordan Matthews. Uh, you have a riser follower you want to mention, Seth? Talk about. Yeah. So. I mean, one one player that that I, I like, and we, in our draft he went really really late, is um, Emmanuel Sanders. You know, I think sixth round, seventh round is really really low for Emmanuel Sanders, and it's pretty spot on when you consider he went what in the seventh in our draft. 
that we did same, last week. Yeah, same round as, as yeah. Jordan Matthews is going. I mean, that that's another good reason why I just think it's crazy to take Jordan Matthews there, not to get back on it's, there. But uh, I think Emmanuel Sanders in the seventh is is you get is pretty attractive. Yeah, and I don't know if this makes sense or not, but like with with Denver's offense this year, they you know presumably their their quarterback play is gonna they're gonna take a step back. It'll be even worse than it was last year, which is kind of hard to imagine. But I think for someone like Mark Sanchez. I think he might have an easier time getting Emmanuel Sanders the ball um, in most situations than Demarius Thomas. I feel like Demarius Thomas has a lot of problems sometimes getting open. Um, every single one of his receptions is contested. Um, Peyton Manning, you know, when Peyton Manning was on, you know, two years prior to last year, was able to to throw those bombs to Demarius Thomas. Um, and I feel like Mark Sanchez, you know, when you have a uh, subpar quarterback, I feel like they might have an easier time getting the ball to Emmanuel Sanders. And he might be he might be the receiver, at least early in the season, that you want to own in that offense, at least for the value. I'm big on DT as well, because I think the I think he's slipping to a point where it's just a really good value play. But Emmanuel Sanders in the seventh. I mean, I guess would you rather have Demarius Thomas in the third or Emmanuel Sanders in the seventh? Well, and this is actually a great question to lead into what I was going to say. Emmanuel Sanders is the perfect person if your league, if your draft starts off. And I think this is why it's really important to understand ADPs. Because if you understand ADPs, and we talk a lot about drafting and roster construction and ADPs, like knowing how to build your team, right? And I feel like we do a pretty good job over just listing rankings like a thousand dang podcast that i've been seeing that just go over rankings and rankings like part one part two part three where you want i this is how i would see owning emmanuel sanders if my draft for some reason started todd Gurley five and then jamal charles in the second so i went running back running back just because hey they were the best available and then i just really liked I really liked Greg Olson in the fifth, too. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So three out of my first five picks were two running backs and one tight end. And I'm not saying this is going to happen to me, but let's say you get in this situation where you that's that's what happens. Emmanuel Sanders is the type of person that I'm going to need as a wide receiver in the seventh round at that point. I mean, w- wouldn't you wouldn't you agree? Yeah, and I think you made a really good point on, you know, if it's a league where you go Jamal Charles and Todd Gurley because they're the best available player. I, I also think this is exactly why I don't get too worried about the whole, you know, roster construction. Like, oh, I don't have a receiver yet. I need to get a receiver. Or, shoot, I need to get a running back. I think because it's a long season, you can you can alter your roster and fill holes throughout the year, but it's really hard to change the talent level on your team. Meaning, it's so hard to get top talent that right. you need to get them. Even if you go running back, running back, running back, or receiver, 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 take the most talented players, the most dynamic players, um, as they're available, and then worry about filling in the holes on your roster 
later. You know, cross that bridge when you come to it because there's going to be plenty of opportunities through free agency, through trades, um, through injuries. You know, you can you can do that later in the year. It's a long season. It's just really hard to obtain top-tier talent. So do that whenever you get the chance in the draft. Now, one player I want to move along to here before we get to our interview with Ross Tucker um, another guy that has completely fallen off my board, more or less. I mean, I, I, just, I won't end up with him, not like he's completely off my board, but pretty close is Ladarius Green. Ankle stuff coming out, um, still not playing or practicing, concussion stuff, something about he might have to retire. I don't even know how much of a faulty story that is or if you saw that. I just feel like something is not right there, and I just can't buy into Ladarius Green, and I'm just not going to waste – a top 10 pick on him. So, I, I mean, I, I get the fact that Ladarius Green is slipping from your draft board, but where was he in the first place? I mean, Ladarius Green is, I mean... In the, what, ninth round? Oh, yeah, that's insane as well. I mean, yeah, I, 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 if, I if I don't get one of the... And we talked about this a million times. Like, if we don't get the Jordan Reed, Greg Olson, Delaney Walker, Gronk, and we're, we're waiting, even if I'm waiting on tight ends, I still don't want Ladarius Green... Because I, I don't know. I just don't have high expectations for him. I didn't have them in the first place. If we're waiting on tight ends, you know, we'll wait for somebody, you know, I don't know, like anybody, right? I don't know, tight right. end positions. Right, and we, we talked about him. Um, and I like Dwayne Allen, for example, but you don't. And and, and actually, Fantasy Football Calculator has Ladarius Green at 8.06 in a 12-team league. Just, I like Zach Miller. I like Zach Miller in Chicago. That's somebody that I would target late in the draft for tight ends. You know, I have a new one now that I'm targeting super late. I think I'm going to roster him as my second tight end if I roster any second tight end. Vance McDonald, what's your thoughts there? I think he might be a beast. I really think there's up huge upside there. He's in his fourth year of his season. He's a physical freak. They have the Chip Kelly offense. You know he he had a lot of production through his tight ends in Philadelphia. Blaine Gabbert can get him the ball. I mean, and he's going virtually free. Well, I don't know if he's going to be a beast, but I, I, said I do think opportunity to. Yeah, I think when you're in that that range, I think I you know if you take him over um, Dwayne Allen, if you take him over Zach Miller, I, I I'm fine with that. I think because I think he has enough upside to warrant taking him over those players in that range. But I don't think he has the upside to be better than Jordan Reed or Greg Olson or. Mm. Maybe Delaney Walker, but Delaney Walker was really good last year. So I like him as an under-the-radar sleeper. I think that's a really good one, especially if Blaine Gabbert's the quarterback and not Colin Kaepernick. Yeah, I mean, I don't think – I'm not expecting wonders from him, but and obviously you can select him or Dwayne Allen or any other tight end in that area or Zach Miller. I think they're all interchangeable. But in terms of who are you maybe you know going to take a shot at, that might be one I, I might take a shot at. Yeah, no, I agree. That's a good one. Okay, uh, one more from you, Seth, and then we'll get to the interview. So, and I think, you know, Pat Mayo definitely influenced this one. Um, Doug Martin, he's definitely lower on my board. I I think I'm not 100% coming around on Charles Sims, like buying into Charles Sims. I I get how you can start Charles Sims, um, even if he's not the starter, and then he has the upside. If If anything happens to Martin, he'll take on a bigger role. I just, you know, the the two years prior to last season really are starting to worry me with Doug Martin. And I, I don't really know. Is It doesn't seem like Doug Martin's a great runner. I'm not really – kind of like you and Jordan Matthews. I'm not in love with his talent. Like he doesn't jump jump out of the screen as someone that's like a great runner. 
So and if he's not going to – if Charles Sim is going to be the guy in passing down situations, you have to rely on touchdowns from Doug Martin. Um, I expect Mike Evans' touchdowns to go up this year. And I don't know. Third round is just a round where I'm really going to be reluctant to use my pick in that round on someone like Doug Martin. I would probably rather go in like the Eddie Lacy, um, you know, one of those other running backs, McCoy, that are in that area. I think Doug Martin just comes with a considerable amount of downside considering he was so awful the two years prior to last year. Yeah, I don't want to find myself wanting Doug Martin in the third round because I went wide receiver, wide receiver. I'm going to really try and make sure I get a running back in the second round like a Lacey McCoy or Devontae Freeman or Jamal Charles and hope that I can get like a Cobb in the third round because I feel a lot more comfortable with that combination than getting you know, a wide receiver like an Alshon, uh, maybe a Mike Evans who I love, love, love. Uh, but then had to rely on Doug Martin as my RB1. So I agree with you on that one. And Seth, let's now get to our awesome interview with Ross Tucker. Sounds good. And now we welcome to the show Ross Tucker, host of Sirius XM NFL Radio Morning Kickoff and the opening drive three days a week. You can find him at Ross Tucker NFL. Ross Tucker, thanks for joining the show. It is absolutely my pleasure, Jeff. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's our pleasure, really. And um, I kind of wanted to to jump right into, as you mentioned in uh, the opening up the episode, former offensive lineman. Um, in terms of fantasy related, I had two offensive line questions for you that I thought made a lot of sense. The first one is, what what is your uh, thoughts on Alex Mack in Atlanta, and what do you think the impact of him is with Devontae Freeman? Um, just knowing the offensive line, knowing Atlanta, what do you think the impact there is? So I think it's significant. Uh, I'm a big believer in Alex Mack and how good of a player he is, his toughness, uh, his intelligence. And if you look, their tackles played pretty well last year in Jake Matthews and Ryan Schrader. And even they've got a couple of reliable veteran guards with Levitre and Chris Chester, but they really struggled at center. And so I think that they feel like they have totally fortified that offensive line now. We all know how important you know staying healthy is and how the impact that can have over the course of a season. But I think you look at Atlanta right now, and they have one of the top 10 offensive lines, in my mind, in the NFL. And Alex Mack is really the guy that came in and solidified that. So whether it's Freeman or Matt Ryan or Tevin Coleman, if he's healthy, there's no doubt in my mind that that's a big-time strength of that team. And, you know, when you have one weak link, you know the old saying, Jeff, you're only as strong as your weakest link. The Falcons don't really have a weak link up front now. Oh, that's great to hear for us people who like Devontae Freeman, especially since he's been kind of sliding a lot because people don't think that he's going to be able to reproduce the same numbers and specifically on the ground. A lot of people say, well, we think he's going to be able to catch 60-plus balls in the air. However, we're we're afraid that he's not going to get the same amount of carries or be able to be as productive on the ground. What are your thoughts with Devontae Freeman in this upcoming season with Atlanta? Yeah, it's interesting, Jeff, because there's a bunch of players this year, if you think about it. You know, Doug Baldwin and Allen Robinson come to mind at wide receiver, where everybody looks at it and just says, 
Well, there's just no way they could do that that this year again, right? So right. Allen Robinson can't score that many touchdowns. Doug Baldwin can't score that many touchdowns. And you know what? They're probably right. And maybe Devontae Freeman falls in that category as well. What I don't think people are doing a good enough job of thinking about, though, Jeff, is, okay, so maybe they can't reproduce those same numbers. And so there will be a little bit of, of a regression to the mean, if you will. But how will their numbers this year compared to the other guys that we're talking about. Like, just because they might not, you know, have double-digit touchdowns or whatever, doesn't mean they're still not worthy of being drafted higher than some of the other guys that are out there or some of the other guys that they're being compared to. I think there's a difference between saying they're going to fall back a little bit or not reproduce the same numbers and dropping them as much as I feel like some people are dropping them. Yeah, and that's a, and that's a great point, too, because – we hear a lot about all the players that you mentioned, including someone like a DeAndre Hopkins, where people hit career highs and where they might not be able to repeat the career highs doesn't mean they're still not going to have wide receiver one numbers or RB one numbers, for example. Exactly correct. The other offensive line I want to ask you about was the Seattle Seahawks. Um, Seth and I on the show, the other co-host who's not here on this interview, we're, we're one of the offenses that we like a lot, of course, is Seattle. We liked Seattle even last year, and, and they still threw the ball less than 500 pass attempts last year. My only concern, I guess, if I were to, to nitpick per se, with Seattle and looking at their team and offensively would be their offensive line. They lost Russell Okun a lot of us, I guess, you know, average people looking at the league would not know the players up front offensively. Do you think that's going to impact their offense at all? Um, and what's your, your insight in terms of the Seattle's offensive line? Well, I don't know how they were able to play at a decent level the second half of the year last year because they really struggled the first half. And what they've done since then is move every guy. Sweezy left in free agency. Okung left in free agency. They moved Britt from guard to center. Gilliam from right tackle to left tackle. It's too much for me, Jeff. I, I mean, they might eventually once again be a decent unit. But to start the year, I think they are really going to struggle early. The best thing they probably did was sign Jari Evans recently. Because at least to me, he is reliable He's not the player he once was where he was the best guard in football for several years there. But I still think, at least I know from Jari, I'm going to get a pretty solid professional performance at the offensive guard position. But I think it'll end up being very similar to last year where they will really struggle the first half of the year and the team will struggle as a result. And then I think their hope is once again – in the second half of the year and then into the postseason, they're able to be an average offensive line or at least give their team a chance to win because they were bad. I mean, I, I did their first game last year against the Rams and they got beat up up front by Aaron Donald and company. And I wouldn't be surprised if that happens again this year, especially early, like I said. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That was kind of one of the, the few concerns I had with them. Um, actually, another offensive line that just popped in my mind um, as we we're kind of going over these, was the Tennessee Titans. Uh, they had, I think, the 26th-ranked offensive line last year in terms of rushing. They've obviously invested in two running backs this year, in DeMarco Murray and uh, Derrick Henry, and they've invested in the offensive line as well. How do you see that offensive line shaping up? Do you think that they can get into the running game that they're, that they're hoping to get into themselves and not fall behind and have to you know, essentially constantly be throwing from behind? 
Yeah, well, that's obviously part, partially a function of the defense as well. But even if you just look at the offensive line, they have invested so many resources into that group. I mean, you're talking about three first-round picks with Jack Conklin, Chance Warmack, Taylor Lewan. They went and they got Ben Jones, free agent from the Texans at center. And they've got Quentin Spain, who they like at guard. I mean, the bottom line to me is with the number of resources they've invested, they better be good. And they got off to a fast start week one of the preseason. Both DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry look good. And it's a pretty nice compliment, you know, with having Delaney Walker as a tight end off of play action. And let's not forget, I think that Mike Malarkey is going to be willing to have Marcus Mariota run more which really makes things better for the offensive line. Some of their angles, just with him, Jeff, the ability to pull the ball and every once in a while, not a lot, but every once in a while, scoot around on the zone read, slide, get out of bounds, whatever, get 10 yards, 12 yards here and there. That forces one defender to stay back, which gives better blocking angles across the board for the offensive line. What are your thoughts on Mike Malarkey as a head coach? So he was my coach for two years in Buffalo. And even though he cut me the second year uh, when I kind of caught the injury bug, I'm a believer in him. You know, we started in 2004, 0-4, and we went 9-2 and in our next 11 games. I believe in a lot of things that he believes in in terms of running the football, physicality, imposing your will on the other team. I think that's how he's built this team because he also knows it makes things easier on the offensive line. It makes things easier on a young quarterback. If you look at it, Jeff, you know, his second year in Buffalo, they got rid of Bledsoe and went with J.P. Lossman. We obviously know what J.P. Lossman's career was like. Then he got another shot in Jacksonville for one year with Blaine Gabbert in Gabbert's, whatever it was, his second or third year. So I mentioned these things because people look at it and say, Mike Malarkey, a third chance. You know, he only has been a head coach for three years. It was two years in Buffalo, the second year being J.P. Lawson, and one year in Jacksonville being Blaine Gabbert. Not exactly much of an opportunity there. Yeah, that, those are good points. Um, I want to transition to uh, some betting. For all the listeners, you've got an awesome podcast called Even Money, which I'm excited to listen to this upcoming season. When, when do you start recording new episodes for that, Ross? You know, that's a good question because we actually might start this week. We weren't going to start till next week, but we might go a week earlier just because there's enough preseason stuff that we want to talk about, especially as it relates to some of the season-long numbers, some of the other races, you know, in terms of MVP, comeback player of the year, those type of things. And I, I say all the time, Jeff, I don't highly recommend people to, you know, try to make a living or try to earn money gambling. But certainly if it's disposable income and it makes the games more interesting, go for it. And both myself and my co-host, Steve Fezzik, we were both in the black uh, by a decent amount last season. So, um, if you just followed our bets last year, you would have won a decent amount of money. Okay, awesome. So, so let me throw some uh, season-long over/unders at you and and uh, get your thoughts on them. Uh, one of the first ones, um, I, I went and just looked at them right before we we started, so I, I feel like these are pretty up to date. And the first one is Arizona over/under nine and a half. Um, I like the over 
I feel like that's a pretty a pretty good one. But you know, you're the one who has the the, the podca- podcast on this. It's negative two twenty five. What are your thoughts on Arizona at, at negative uh, at nine and a half over under? Um, I, I like the over as well. Uh, you know, I I don't think the Rams or the Niners will be very good, and I think there's a great chance that the Arizona Cardinals get double digit wins. You know. It might not be quite as good as it was last year for them, but I still think they get the double-digit win, so I like the over quite a bit there as well. Okay. Here's one where I like the under, and get your thoughts on this one. Dallas Cowboys, a polarizing uh, team there. Uh, their over-under is at 9.5. The under is at negative 135, which is actually the the better or the worst number, I suppose. What's your thoughts on Dallas at 9.5? I'm going under as well. Um, too much on the defensive side, just too much for me. I think that there are three teams jumbled up together that will all be between seven and nine and 10 and six on the high end. It's the giants, the Redskins and the Cowboys. But I kind of felt that way before the Cowboys have suffered as many of the losses as they have on the defensive side of the ball. At this point, Look, is there a chance that the Cowboys are the one team that pops through and is 10 and 6? Yeah, there is, but I don't think it's very likely. I would lean under in a major way with the Cowboys as well. Especially since you have that half point hook there, right? I mean, 9 and 7, maybe they squeak that out with Romo and everyone being healthy in the offense, but I feel like that extra win is is a pretty big differentiator, wouldn't you say? Yes, I don't think there's any question about it. And and it's, I don't want to agree with you every time, Jeff. So let's get to a couple more because I don't want people to think I'm just agreeing with you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, um, Okay, how about New Orleans? Um, They're at over under seven uh, and even seven. What's your thoughts? You know, that sounds about right to me. I, I don't have a strong opinion on them over or under. I think that seven's probably a pretty fair number. I think Carolina is still the class of that division. I think Tampa Bay will be a little bit better. I think Atlanta will be a little bit better. I'm not sure the Saints really are. You know, the news that came out today that Sheldon Rankins has a broken fibula, will miss six weeks, that doesn't help them. So that's not one that I have a major opinion on either way. That, that to me, feels like the right number, feels like a push. It, that's exactly what I <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. But the reason I actually uh, wanted to bring this one up was I thought it was a push too. So I thought on the safe side, my train thought on this one was the train um, was maybe on the safe side they push, and if you get lucky, they might get the extra win. I thought if any if any direction I would lean towards, it would they would be eight and eight. So I kind of like that you have that even number because you do get the push. But let's put, that, it, let's put it this way: I wouldn't put any money on that. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. 
Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. On, on them. Right, because of course, if you're, if you're betting, you're trying to win, not push. Um, okay, one, Correct. Last, one last one for you. Uh, Chicago at 7.5 over under. Oh, under. Yep. Oh, under. And, and not just an overreaction to their Broncos playoff game. It, it's an under, man. I, I mean, I, I just – the offensive line is not good. They've got significant issues up there. Losing their starting center was a problem. I think their defense will be okay. But I just don't have a lot of faith. In that division, I think Minnesota Green Bay clearly better than them. I think Detroit's better than them. I think they'll bring up the rear. And what are the odds that a team bringing up the rear in the division is 8-8? Eight and eight? Yeah, I, I I agree with you 100% on Chicago. I just don't think they have the pieces there as well. Um, now, I wanted to wrap up, Ross, uh, with asking you, um, being a New England fan here, um, Seth as well, You know, what was your favorite team to play for? Yeah, it was the Buffalo Bills. And I, I say that. Because I, I probably because I had the best personal experience there, you know, um, I played the most there, I was there the longest, I made the most money there, and, and quite frankly, you know, that's where my wife and I we were engaged, then we were married. It just was a really positive experience. It, you know, it's the one place where I, you know, people will still say to me, "Hey Ross, we appreciate what you did." You know, we, we miss you. We wish we still had you. You know, it's one place where I feel like I established myself until, unfortunately, I had those injuries. So, absolutely for me, it, it's the Buffalo Bills, which surprises people considering I played for the Redskins, the Cowboys, the Patriots, some other teams like that. Well, that's still great to hear. I mean, um, you know, that you had your best personal experience with Buffalo. And as, as much as maybe, you know, I was hoping maybe it might have been New England. Do you have um, a Brady or Belichick story that you could tell? Yeah, sure. I mean, for Belichick, it's it's interesting because I, I only talked to him, I think. He only said anything to me four times, and <laughs> it wasn't, wasn't much. Um, it was when I first got there, he shook my hand and kind of mumbled something. He mumbled a couple things underneath his breath to me a couple times as he walked by me. And then when they traded me to Cleveland, I actually had a a decent conversation with him. So um, I don't really have anything negative to say about Belichick. Brady's just the, the freaking man, dude. I, I mean, there, there's just no way around it. Look, when I was there, Jeff, I'd already started 24 games. It was my fifth and sixth years in the league. You know, I'm – 26, 27-year-old man at this point. I'm no green rookie. And he would still look at me when I was in at center. And he'd say, all right, Ross, a great snap first, you and me, before he would call the play. And, you know, you almost sound like a schoolgirl when you say this, but when he would look at me, Jeff, and say that, like, I never wanted to snap the ball so well in my whole life. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) it just was motivation to snap the ball as well as I possibly could. And I've also told this story before. I only went out. Um, with him that I recall socially twice and the one time I just remember you know we were at a local um, you know barbecue joint and bar there and there was a chugging contest and I was in a fraternity in college I've witnessed hundreds if not thousands of chugging contests and to this day Tom Brady's the best chugger I've ever seen I mean it was 
absolutely amazing how fast he could chug a beer, how seriously he took it when he slammed his cup down. I mean, it was awesome. And then I started thinking, gosh, does this guy have every positive male quality known to man? I hate this guy. (laughs) Oh, that's a great story. That's a great story. Well, Ross, uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. Uh, Give us some great insight into offensive lines, some betting. Everyone um, can find you on SiriusXM in the mornings, on SiriusNFL. You can also check out his podcast, Ross Tucker Football Podcast, a fantasy feast, even money. And you can check him out on Twitter, at Ross Tucker NFL. Thanks again, Ross. Jeff, it truly is my pleasure. Congratulations on all the success with this podcast, and thanks for having me. Seth, that was one hell of a story from Tom Brady. I mean, especially being a New England fan, I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed hearing that. Yeah, and it's it's funny. Like I I hear that story about Tom Brady chugging the beer, and it's just like I'm not surprised at all. It's like you just expect that with Tom Brady. It's like I can't imagine him being bad at anything. I can't imagine him not being ultra competitive um, at, at anything. So it just, you know, the, the legend of Tom Brady continues to grow by the day. Um, and I'm sure, I mean, how, I'm sure how, all how awesome, are no- how awesome would it be to, to chug beers with Tom Brady? Can you think of anything better? I'd definitely rather chug some beers with him than you. That's for sure. No, I'm not a great beer chugger as we know. Just <laughs> not even close. Um, well, Seth, we I've got the uh, we got our draft this weekend, and I'm excited to be flying up into Boston. If there's going to be any listeners out there, uh, you're in the Boston area. Our our good uh, listener and uh, emailer Courtney's out there. If anyone's you know else is in the Boston area, let us know. We can meet up for a beer. We always want to engage with all of our listeners, and you know we're excited to do some more draft talks in the upcoming weeks. Anything else you want to wrap up with, Seth? No, but it sounds good. Yeah, I mean, if anybody is in the area um, or even if you're outside the area and you want to make the trip up to Boston, um, definitely send us an email. Um, also, any other questions about leagues? I know this is a busy time of year with the fantasy draft starting to you know to, to gear up. So any questions about any leagues you're in, just send us over an email. Between me and Jeff, we're usually good at, at getting back to you quickly. And most people reply back saying, thanks, Jeff. I mean, I don't know, I don't know what's up with that. They just assume they – that you're the one doing all the work. I mean, like I, I've been responding to some of these emails too. Uh, you know, I'll take all the credit cause that's what I do. Yeah. And we'll just let everyone think that they're communicating with only me. And I'm okay with that, you know, cause you know, I'm the lead in host, and I think that's my responsibility to take all the credit. Yeah. I just, you know, not surprised to, to hear you say that. <laughs> well, thanks everyone for listening again to the NFL Talking Heads. We got another episode coming out later this week. Uh, do our best to do some uh, special one-on-one stuff with uh, Seth and I, as I'm going to be back up in New England this weekend. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram, and find us. Submit a question on our website, NFLTalkingHeads.com. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the NFL Talking Heads Fantasy Football Podcast Show. Try saying that three times fast. With your hosts, Jeff Carrier and Seth Lowell. We'll catch you next time. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere 
even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.